Wrestling Variety Show Podcast. I am the man of bullshit, Gregory Sterner, along with Ricky, counting the cheddar, Soretta. Tonight, we start things off with ten times the fun as we open up Pandora's box of promos and the lid flies off to reveal a classic ten, as in the tenth anniversary of WrestleMania, and you all get to hear a master class from a master pitchman as James E. Cornette shows us all how it's done on the mic. We break again from our current reality as alternate universe Ricky finally picks up a call from Dr. Shilgood. What will happen as the desperate fat man with the slick hands tries to repair relations with his favorite nephew? Can Ricky's cold, hard heart be softened? Can Dr. Shilgood finally have a happy ending? Listen on and find out. We will then return back to our own world only to realize it's a mad world as in the mad, mad world of wrestling Mad Libs. Join Ricky and myself as we once again giggle like children and regress in our maturity as much as possible for the entertainment of the two rows from ringside fans, and of course, ourselves. Then in our main event segment of the evening, we welcome Joey Casada, AKA Joeylicious, to the show, and he tells us of his fantastic and fascinating experience writing a book and developing a show for Amazon about a troubled indie wrestler and his imaginary but legendary friends who really like to kick his ass as they teach him life lessons. We bring you part one tonight of our amazing interview with Joey. Fans, I guarantee you will not want to miss this. So get ready there, fans. Two rows from ringside. The Wrestling Variety Show Podcast. You will be hanging from the rafters, engaged in rapturous pandemonium. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Two Rows from Ringside, and I am here along with Ricky, the man that counts all the cheddar, and we are ready to hear some classic Jim Cornette out of Pandora's box of promos. Now, uh, a little background here, Ricky, before you get too excited that we're going to get a version of Cornette that you're used to hearing on his podcast every week. we are getting a Jim Cornette from 1994 uh, at the biggest uh, match that he was a part of up until that point, the biggest event. This is WrestleMania 10. And uh, Ricky, this is all in your wheelhouse as a fan. 94, that's like prime oh, yeah. time for you, right? That's the, the sweet spot. And this pay-per-view was, oh, I'll never forget this. So you remember quite clearly that there was a, there was a, 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 a controversial finish to the Royal Rumble, which led to both 
Lex Luger and Bret Hart getting title shots at WrestleMania. And the way they worked it out was the two flipped a coin. If Bret had won the coin toss, Bret would have faced Yokozuna first, and then the winner would have faced Lex Luger. But Luger would have to have a warm-up match against Crush. Uh, however, Bret did not win the coin toss. Luger did. So that meant that Luger took on Yokozuna first, and then Bret had to have his warm-up match with Owen, which he ended up losing. Uh, and then Bret fought Yokozuna in the final because he was guaranteed that title shot. So what you're seeing in this promo is actually midway through the show, it's immediately following Lex Luger uh, fighting Yokozuna now, everybody thought, just like they did at SummerSlam, but I think even more so here. They're like, they got to do it now. they got to put it on Luger finally. Uh, everybody was expecting Lex Luger to win, but a, a, uh, a, a hired referee, Kurt Hennig, who was paid off, disqualified Lex Luger in this match. The New York crowd chanted bullshit because it was a, a bullshit disqualification where he just barely touched Mr. Perfect. Uh, but Yokozuna was essentially beat before that, that disqualification. So he's been pretty much crushed and defeated out in the ring, uh, even though he won the match. Now the fans have got to care again about Yokozuna in the main event as this monster world champion that Bret Hart has to overcome. So how do you rehabilitate a guy that you just saw get his ass handed to him? How do you rehabilitate him in the same show to be taken as a serious threat in the main event? Uh, that, my friends, is why you need yourself a Jim Cornette. Because what Jim Cornette does in this promo is a masterclass of how you take what the fans just saw, you reset them, and you move them forward uh, to a main event that they are now excited about and psyched out again, uh, psyched up about again because you have just built Yokozuna back in the two minutes this promo takes place in uh, as a monster. Yeah, and you know, don't let his uh, perhaps his his cursing and his uh, views on politics and his. Uh the way he talks, um, he knows his shit about wrestling. Oh, he's in, he's in. is really knows his, I, I think more than uh, probably the, the, the most of the marks combined. Well, um, Jim, Jim Cornette was a part of the training of some of the all time greats, the rock, uh, uh, John Cena, uh, Batista, Randy Orton. I mean, just to name a few, I'm not sure if it was Jim Ross, but someone was, telling the story when they were at Jim Cornette's bachelor party and essentially they got to the hotel. It may have been Jim Ross, but they got to the hotel and here he was expecting, okay, there's going to be, you know, beers and you know pot and strippers everywhere. And literally James E. Cornette's bachelor party was watching wrestling VHS tapes with eight other dudes in the hotel. <laughs> I forget which podcast, Greg. I it was only a couple months ago. I believe um, it. But yes, that was actually his bachelor party. That is what he wanted to do. He did not want to go out and get fucked up and smoke pot and carry on. No, he wanted to watch wrestling VHS tapes. That and, is and the best awesome. part. And he took and take, took notes on all of it. <laughs> that is really awesome. And well, Cornette doesn't drink. He's he does not drink at all. I don't know if he's <laughs> ever had God. a drink. Right, I think. God. I, oh, can you imagine <laughs> drunk Jim Cornette? Who knows? He might mellow out. But I think he said he's had a beer here and there, uh, but like he just doesn't drink. Uh, it never has. So uh, it, I'm not surprised that that was what his bachelor party was like, but I'm a little surprised it didn't, it didn't end up in the hot tub that we hear so much about. Yes. 
<laughs> with uh, with him and his uh, him and his wife get up to know some shenanigans together with uh, with their with their uh, their friends. Which hey, nothing wrong with that. Uh, whatever 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 your pleasure. Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, my pleasure is hearing a master at work. And as Ricky mentioned, Jim Jim Cornette is an expert among experts. He's among the greatest trainers in history as far as teaching the business. Obviously, he wasn't a physical trainer. Uh, he was one of the all-time great managers, one of the all-time great promos, uh, creatively one of the brilliant minds of wrestling. So the, the 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 shock jock that you hear on the podcast now is highly entertaining. I never miss an episode, but uh, that's a that's the real guy to an extent, you know, dialed up for the show, but not that dialed up. Like that, a lot of that I think is Jim Cornette, the the legitimate guy. Uh, but here, what you're about to hear in Pandora's box here, this will show you just exactly why Jim Cornette was so good. Now, just uh, remember what I said. Yokozuna has been pretty badly beaten at this point, and now Jim Cornette in the next two to three minutes in this segment has to build him up. So I'm not going to talk through it. Uh, I'm going to let you hear it in, in full, and then we'll, me and Ricky will give our observations uh, after the fact. So, Ricky, if you want to uh, – fans, I guess you got to pull up old WrestleMania 10 here on the WWE Network if you want to do a watch-along and you want to see this as well as hear it. Uh, it's worth seeing just for Jim Cornette's golden black tuxedo alone, uh, which is a fantastic <laughs> outfit that I think he got most of at a thrift shop uh, from what he had said. Uh, but just uh, if you want to look look around, it's uh, WrestleMania he 10. certainly didn't buy that in Manhattan. I'll put it to you that way. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> if he would bought it in Manhattan, the, the, the ass would have been cut out. <laughs> so what what's the timestamp on this wrestlemania 10 feed here ricky that the fans should jump to if they want to watch along we are exactly at one hour 50 minutes and 44 seconds all right all right well you fans out there get ready to hear some brilliance and ricky whenever you're ready sir uh let's do the old three two one all righty guys in three two one the locker room i'm waiting for wwf champion yokozuna and mr fuji what a match now i've been told that yokozuna should be here any second and obviously we're going to try and bring you that interview here but i got to tell you what a match between lex luger and mr perfect i was back here trying to separate the two superstars jim Cornette. wait i gotta just you tell want? you obviously yokozuna is still champion but he was down laying in that ring you gotta admit that who's got the belt who's still the champion that's all you need to know, Petting Boo. Let me tell you something right now. Lex Luger, you thought you had everything well in hand, just like a purring kitten. But you found out, in the immortal words of the great poet and philosopher Ian Anderson, he who made kittens put snakes in the grass. And I thought Mr. Perfect did a wonderful job officiating. I thought he was fair and square and down the middle. And remember, the special referees were agreed upon by both parties, Luger. Now as to Bret Hart, let me explain something to you, punk. It's no longer a question of whether you're going to come out of this match with the World Wrestling Federation title. No, it's a question of whether you're going to come out of this match with your health, your body, and your career intact. Because you've got to get in that ring, Bret Hart, and you've got to think to yourself. You've got to have the pain, the agony, the degradation, the humiliation of being beaten by your own brother on worldwide pay-per-view. All that running through your mind. And you've got to have the pain of that knee. Don't think we didn't notice it. The pain of that knee that you injured, who knows how badly, coursing through your body, affecting your judgment, clouding your instincts. So, Bret Hart, you are going to have to come to terms with. You're going to have to deal with the fact that it's no longer a matter of you trying to win the title. 
It's a matter of you trying to keep yourself in one piece when you climb in a ring and you look into the eyes of the monster. The most powerful, the most intimidating, the most dominant force that ever existed in wrestling history. The great, mighty Yokozuna, still the World Wrestling Federation champion. So, Bret Hart, you talk about waking a sleeping giant. He's not only awake, but he's mad. He's enraged. He's furious. And he's hungry. He's hungry and he wants to be fed. And Bret Hart, he's going to be the shark. The wrestling ring's going to be the ocean. And you, Bret Hart, are going to be the blood poured into the water that picks off the feeding frenzy. He's going to chew you up and spit you out, Hart, and your career may be over at the biggest WrestleMania of all time. I can't wait to see it happen. We now know what the match will be. The Hitman, Bret Hart, and WWE. Watch this, Ricky. Yokozuna, an awesome WrestleMania. Right now, let's take you back to another <laughs> Okay, so, so a, a couple things here. Um, <laughs> I was laughing yeah. at Jim Cornette making shark teeth there. Yeah, so that was, you know, the, the promo was phenomenal. Jim Cornette, I mean, absolutely crushed it. Like, talk about a textbook heel uh, manager, you know, talking up his, his client, per se. But for starters... When he walked in and called Todd Pettingale petting zoo. <laughs> that was so great. <laughs> Brilliant. And I'm, I'm sure the, the audience, uh, I'm sure everyone listening heard us start chuckling. In the middle of this promo, the cameraman just starts zeroing in on Yokozuna's <laughs> face. And you think at any moment he's going to stop. But the camera just keeps zooming in until your entire viewing screen is this large Samoan's face? More accurately, it was it was simply his nose and eyes. No, <laughs> no nose and eyes. But the best part that is, as it starts to zoom out, all of a sudden you'll just see Mister Fuji in the back with this real nice, genuine smile. <laughs> like like he's just enjoying himself. He's like, ah, this is fun. He's yeah, he's he's just there for uh, for the entertainment. Well, according, according to Jim Cornette, Fuji was not all that thrilled at this point because he he had started out as Yokozuna's manager, and they realized you know Fuji sucks as a promo, so they 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 brought in Jim Cornette to put more heat on Yokozuna and have like that motor mouth manager talking for him. Yeah, and I think Fuji was sort of pushed to the background, so he was still there, but according to Cornette, he wasn't thrilled about the whole arrangement. Not that he blamed it on Cornette, just he wasn't happy. Sure, but no, I mean, you, you can't really critique anything. Uh, Jim Cornette did there. That is probably uh, the definition of a textbook uh, heel manager uh, on the mic. I mean, look at look at what he did. Just to point out a few of the the finer points. Uh, in the matter of you know th three minutes, he quoted Ian Anderson from Bungle in the Jungle: "He who made kittens put snakes in the grass." What a great line! Uh, he he reminded the fans that Bret Hart had lost to Owen was in a, a, a disheveled, despondent state of mind. Uh, he he said, and, and and as you're thinking to yourself, and you got that pain in your knee, don't think we didn't notice it. Like that little, that little just a reminder to the fans who have already forgotten at this point that Owen had injured Brett's leg. That they've already forgotten at this point, and now you know Cornette's there to remind him, hey, this guy's got a bad wheel, and he's got to fight Yokozuna. And then he turns Yokozuna's loss into, and now you're not just fighting uh, Yokozuna, he's mad. He's angry. He's going to be on the war path. He built Yokozuna up again. That now he's going into this final match. He's still a 550 pound monster. He's he uh, he's fighting a guy with one leg, and he's pissed off. 
So just like that, Cornette, if you want to look at the technicalities here, what he was actually doing and the purpose of it, that's what he was doing. He was building back up Yokozuna for that final match. So just, just a, like I said, a master class in, in big-time promos, uh, you know, because Yoko was pretty flat at the end of that Luger match. So he needed some steaming up uh, for, for that main event, which was only, what, two matches after this? So yeah. uh, very, very amazing job there. Ricky, did you have anything else you want to say about Jim Cornette uh, besides his awesome <laughs> char, uh, shark attack face at the end? Uh, anything else uh, that stick out sticks out at you about this promo? Any other thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, just uh, in general, if you're ever looking for some great promos from what I've seen, and I'm the farthest thing from a total wrestling mark, but uh, Cornet's promos are always absolute fire and uh, really, really good at what he does on the mic. All right. Well, uh, for for uh, the man of bullshit, uh, for the man who counts all the cheddar, and uh, for Todd Pettingzoo, we will round out another week of uh, pro wrestling. Great promos out of Pandora's box. And uh, we will be back, fans, right after this. Fans, we now return to the alternate universe version of our very own show. Two guys with our names and our faces with a podcast just like ours are covering a squared circle saga, a pro wrestling soap opera. Now, the last time we visited the alternate universe, we saw deceit, drama, and, eventually, death. This time, we revisit our doppelgangers on the other side. Only a few weeks have passed for us, but in the other dimension, over half a year has passed. Let's check back in with ourselves across the universe to hear the diabolical dirt in the drama that dovetails with debauchery. What are they up to now? Gerald, don't make me regret picking up this phone. Dear sweet Jesus, is that really you? Yes, Gerald, it, it is me. It's rather late at night. I know you've been calling and calling, and I don't know why I'm picking up the phone, but you know, let me just ask you, what what is it about me? Ex- explain these phone calls, please. We're talking. Uh, we're talking. We, 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 we are talking. I... Uh, Rook, I, I, or Ricky, I, I just, uh, I can't tell you how many weeks have gone by where I just thought, I've thought about this very moment, and uh, uh, I, 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 you, you had me, you had me falling off the wagon slightly here. I got a little, little, uh, oh, a little, little de- de- depressed here lately, thinking that uh, my, my favorite nephew might, might never want to speak to his uh, long lost uncle. She'll good again, and, and here you are. Uh, I, 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 I got to tell you, I was sipping a little bit of the joy juice here. Uh, you know, uh, one, one day at a time, as they say. Um, but uh, all right, help me get, get my um, composure here. Okay, calm down, calm down. Don't scare the little rook off the phone. Uh, whoo! All right. Uh, yeah. So. Um, I hear you made some uh, changes, Gerald. You're uh, on the up and up. Oh, uh, uh, up, up and away, you might say. 
you know, I, I've, uh, I've, uh, okay. Now, yeah, the heart rate's starting to come down a little bit. Whew, almost felt for a second there like, uh, <laughs> like it was snowing in my nasal cavity again. Uh, energy levels went up there pretty briefly. Uh, uh, heart palpitation spiked. Uh, <laughs> thought you might give me the big one just uh, answering the phone there, uh, Ricky. But uh, I'm happy to have you back on the line so I can tell you personally, man to man, that I'm sorry for being the way that I was to you and insulting a fine, young, uh, strong, handsome young man like you uh, you allowed yourself to sit under my learning tree and, and learn my ways, uh, and I and I just didn't treat you right, uh, Ricky. And uh, once I once I turned the corner and realized that there was there was life out there beyond beyond the, the business, beyond the, the the lights, beyond the the, the rats and the and the, and the money, uh, you know, the money and all that the money entails. I realized that there was a life out there for me that I could be a good man in, and I just felt like I, that process would not be complete until I got to tell you right to your face that I'm sorry. Well, you know, Gerald, I'm a man of, you know, I believe in second chances, and I do accept your apology, but, you know, what, what would make me believe that you really are changed? Um... Uh... Well, let me say that correct. Let me correct myself. It's late at night. I can't even speak. Right. What would make me believe that you have changed? Uh, uh try me. Um, do you want to know? Uh, okay. Well, let, let's see. What were some of my worst qualities? Let's let's think back on it together here. Your worst qualities, Gerald. I uh, mean, I, I, it's practically the, the length of the Old Testament. Uh, off the top of my head, uh, that's some drinking on it. The drinking. The drug use, the deception, the racism, the de oh. deceit, the lies, the swimming in hotel fountains. <laughs> Yowza! Uh, you, you, uh, you're, you're telling quite the tale there, Johnny. Uh, uh, you know, ex-party animals don't always remember all of their greatest hits, so uh, not sure where you got that last one from. Uh, so yeah, I, like I told you, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm sipping a little bit of the sauce tonight. Okay, bad boy, bad show, good. Slap me on the wrist. Uh, but I'm I, that's by no means am I out of the game. I took one stiff jab on the chin, on the chinny chin chin, seeing a star or two. But I, I'm certainly not knocked off of my recovery train at all. That train is strong, especially now that you and I are talking. I have, I have, uh, I've largely ditched the hooch. I've uh, largely, uh, you know, I've stopped storting the Snow White. Uh, I'm no longer telling the lies. Uh, in fact, as I recount my tales, I'm now trying to reflect on the real truth of who was really doing those things. Not the picture of myself that I had. Not that image of myself that I saw reigning supreme over that New York skyline and owning everything that, that, that fell within. Uh, not, not trying to draw a slab of the green cheese in every single scenario that I was in. I finally started to look at myself honestly and, uh, well... Well, uh, Rico, I um, I didn't like what I saw. Well, you know, Gerald. Again, I am a man of uh, of second chances, and you know what? Maybe, maybe Greg and I would allow you to, to come on the show from time to time. You know, periodically. But we talk. You know, in, uh, 
we, we talk we talking a little a little guest spot action uh, a little a uh, little uh, ratings bonanza for for your little uh, program there with uh, Uncle Shulgood back on the driver's seat. You know, I'm not talking full fledged. I'm talking here and there because I got to be very honest with you, Gerald. I'm a little worried that some of the things that we discuss on the show um, may set you back. Um, and I'm just going to be very blunt and, and upfront with you. Um, when we talk about things like uh, when we talk about heat, when we talk about payoff, when we talk about New York City, uh, you know, uh, buy rates, you know, are these things that are going to, that was this going to set you back in your, in your therapy? Talking, uh, uh, we talking, um, uh, oh, what was that last one there? Uh, a doctor of, uh, what'd you say there? Heat generation? Gerald, uh, what was that? I, I, no, no, I, that's what I used to call myself back in the day before my recovery started. I remember that, that old joke I used to tell you where I, I said I had a PhD in uh, drawing money and uh, I was a doctor of heat generation. You remember back in those days, I'd tell those, I'd, I'd spin those yards and make Oh, noise. yeah, I don't ever forget those stories. Uh, you boys used to giggle. Uh, you had a good laugh, uh, always at my antics. And we used to sit around the circle together and, uh, hey, oh, have a good time. And uh, I mean, that's at least how I choose to remember those days. Um, a little hazy now. Like I said, uh, the clouds have lifted. Um, but uh, I'm a little concerned about you there, Pally. Uh, I, 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 I like your little guest spot idea. You know, bring it back slow, nice and easy. Ease me back on in there. Have your audience accept me as the new man that I am. And maybe someday uh, become the third co-host of the show. Well, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. But small doses, Gerald. Small doses, perhaps we will let you come on in very small doses, because I do believe maybe you have been making some progress. I, yeah, progress. I, every day is like I'm, I'm, I'm leaping tall buildings every day that goes by. I've been skipping cities, my friend. Speaking of cities, just uh, funny enough, uh, you mentioned uh, those trigger words. Woo! You were uh, you were laying out the the chiclets in front of the diabetic uh, patient, right, ready to go into his coma. Uh, talk about a tantalizing little uh, uh, spin of the tongue there, uh, Jolly Joe. Uh, but uh, to speak to it, um, I mentioned to your counterpart there, uh, Jimbo uh, or uh, Grego. I mentioned to him that uh, you know it probably wasn't a path I could go down again. But I'm, I'm just. Uh, interested a general curiosity to hear about this business you guys might be might be dabbling in in uh, nyc uh, suppose you you know greg greg didn't really have time to talk about it. i think he was about to unload on me and uh, tell me all the details but uh he had to go uh, his time was running out so uh maybe we just uh, maybe maybe you tell uh your inquisitive uncle what the, what, what you, you little boys what what, what you're stirring around in the cauldron there gerald this is exactly what i'm talking about it would not be healthy for me to mention to you, any of Greg and I's uh, endeavors involving uh, involving New York City. Uh, endeavors would, would indicate to me that uh, you got an iron or two in the fire there. You you guys looking to open up shop? Got a little uh, little, little uh, aspiration of promotion? We we do have aspirations to open up shop, and if it is in New York, unfortunately, Gerald, there's not enough room for you in the shop. You need to take care of Gerald. So, uh, 
So uh, well, we talked about a little bit at a time, slide it on in there, okay, a little sweet talk, a little bit further in, uh, you know, tickle the taint a little further in. I get it, I get it. You got you gotta you gotta you gotta foreplay before you full play. I get it, brother. Uh so we slide me in as that third co-host. And then once I'm on the show, Cheryl. you know, once I'm oh we we talking uh you know, I'm just saying, I'm a visionary. You know, I, my head's clear now. I could see the future. I could see the vision. And I just figured if there comes a day when I am the, the third co-host of your show, or maybe I even replace old Jimbo when he moves on, who knows? Uh, maybe just you and me there doing the show together like buds, like tag team partners, uncle and nephew, uh, then I would accompany but, you on any such business, uh, you know, trips to, to, to uh, any city, including the Big Apple. Gerald, let's take it one day at a time. I am very glad that you are taking steps in the right direction. However, I still can't get some of the things that you said out of my mind. Well, I'll just have you know, uh, you, those, uh, those those dirty crimes that took place, uh, uh, good old uh, Jed Jenkins getting blown away and all that kind of, uh, you know, real, real bad, dark stuff. Uh, I, I want you to know that, that, that there, there's no blame to be found here at my feet. I had heard about it as a rumor, like everybody else. You know, Gerald. Nothing to do with it. Gerald, it's sometimes I, I just, I don't think you think before you speak, and you always respond to people in these kind of sarcastic ways. Um, you, I, Greg was telling me that you somehow found out uh, about my family and how many of my family members. Uh, unfortunately, contracted COVID nineteen. Well, I I, te I texted him. I wanted him to share oh. a message of concern. Uh, and that I, they, and uh, I, I appreciate that, Gerald. However, Greg told me that you served it up and you said, "Oh, I heard that Ricky and his family got a little case of the Shanghai sniffles." Right. Every now, last I one. Just, I just want you to understand how someone could maybe take a serious situation. And when you say something like that, it could come off as borderline. Do they talk to you in therapy about this? I, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe maybe you rewind that a little bit and just go back to what what part did old, what part did Unky Shogun get wrong? And there? I'm not finished. And then Greg mentioned to me that you stated that the COVID nineteen was just a big work. <laughs> Uh, well, he certainly is. Uh, he's certainly free with uh, with uh, sharing private text conversations. I just wanted to pass along my message of concern. But now that we're on the subject, uh, since everybody in your family, from the uh, the oldest of the grandladies to the littlest of the grandbabies, uh, has this Shanghai sniffles action, uh, this this the, you, know, you mentioned to work. I can tell you this: one of the biggest works I've ever seen. Uh, and 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 uh, what's going to happen is. Uh, you get yourself infected with this little uh, with this little uh, under the weather bug. Uh, you got a few days in the hangar, and what happens is these people are losing their minds, Rook. They're 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 signing away their fortunes to their ungrateful brat ancestors uh, or descendants, whatever the hell you call it. And uh, before you know it, they're over it in a week and a half. They've signed away all their property rights. They're they're broke. They're in the streets. They're homeless. That's what's happening in this country. This is one of the biggest works I've ever seen. And I'm just calling a spade a spade. So on the good side of things, uh, maybe I, in my process of sending you well wishes and telling you that I have much love for my favorite nephew, uh, maybe I woke you up to a certain fact or two about the old Shanghai Sniffaloni. Well, Gerald, thank you for your input. And I can't believe I'm, I'm even coming to you with this, but, you know, Greg the other week was was threatened physically. He was threatened sexually oh. by 
some, I believe, some indie wrestler. And if there's someone who would know about a, an indie wrestler, you're probably the guy. And I hate to go against your therapy and start talking about the business again, but I'm thinking maybe you may know him. Well, I, uh, I've i been known to dabble uh, in the darker circles in my younger days. We all know that I'm a reformed man, uh, full of uh, revelation and wonder. Uh, however, I, I do have quite the stout Rolodex of some uh, some of the shadiest characters this side of Skid Row. And uh, I might know of this person who, uh, what did you say, a little, uh, a little, uh, a little, uh, Funny business in the brown eye, uh, a little, uh, a little, uh, a little wink whacking that uh, un un unwanted wink whacking. What, what kind well, of abuse again, did he, he suffer? Some, he said some. He really threatened Greg again, physically, sexually. He had this big pit bull German Shepherd dog. Oh. Was, there was a whole, big, a whole big commotion, and uh, his his name is a Dino Royale. <coughs> oh. Sorry, got a little uh, connection, the uh, the dust up in our, our connection lines, uh, connection wires there. Uh, I you said something. I thought I heard. I thought I heard one thing. If that's if, if impossible for me to have heard what I thought I heard, run that name by me again, there, Rook. Uh, Dino Royale. Have you heard of this guy? Well, that that's just not possible. What's not possible, Gerald? The, the man, the, the man's name who you just mentioned, uh, well, that man, that man died about, well, goodness sakes alive, he, he must have died a good six and a half years back. I added on good authority that they found his bloated carcass in the river. He had crossed the wrong person, uh, threatened to, to, to rape the wrong uh, victim, uh, held up the wrong uh, the wrong guy, and uh, paid the price. Uh, and that's what became a Dino Royale. Uh, so whoever this guy was, uh, threatening Greg uh, with 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 some uh, uh, a canine catastrophe, a little uh, a little red rocket up the rear, uh, or whatever this this little uh, rape threat actually would have been uh, turned out to be. Uh, it couldn't have been Tito Royale. I mean, uh, did, did he say, did, did he, did he describe what, what he looked like? Uh, maybe, maybe somebody else just using the name as a, as a, as a, 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 a badge of some kind, a, a, a mask. Uh, he was very, very clear that he was Dino Royale and that he was from Florida and he was very, very aggressive and he was, uh, Wow, how, did, how, how did it end? Let, let me ask you. How, how did it end? Did did, uh, did 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 he say anything on his way out that would have uh, given you any indication? Uh, how did Greg talk his way out of this uh, canine raping? Uh, Greg was very very afraid of his own life, and uh, Dino was very overzealous as far as uh, almost promoting himself as this big tough guy. And Greg said that he was uh, rather scared, and he did not seem like a man that you wanted to mess with. Well, uh, it's it's sort of funny. Uh, back in the day, uh, the, the guy that the guy that obviously is not the guy you're talking about, but Dino Royale and, and myself were, uh, I guess you could say, uh, running buddies. Uh, I managed Dino Royale back in the day. Uh, 
we we actually had a string of uh, sellouts and some stadium shows uh, uh, across one or two continents. Uh, we're with Dino as uh, as several promotions, uh, world's champion, uh, and I manage that man all over uh, every day of the week, and then every night of the week. Uh, it was uh, nonstop. Uh, you know, panic at the disco. It, you know, nonstop. Uh, you know, New Year's Eve, uh, every night of the week. And uh, I was, let's say, Dino's party planner, it, 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 to, to put it mildly. Well, I can, one can only imagine what you mean by party planner. And I don't even want to know the details. And quite frankly, I don't think it's fair that I make you, and I'm not going to expect you to dig up uh, the details of your past life. Um, those. Fun, but, you know, Gerald, if, if, if you want to make things right to, for me, you know, to me, I know you apologize to me, but I think you should also maybe pick up the phone and give Greg a call and maybe uh, inform him uh, a little bit about this Dino character. And, you know, we don't we don't want him around and we want nothing to do with him. So, See, no, no, I just uh, you got me thinking uh but Gerald, you know, I think it's good that you keep thinking. I'm glad we had this conversation and, you know, this is going to be baby steps for us, but I'm glad that you're doing better. I'm glad that uh, you're prospering and walking towards the light and not into the darkness anymore. I love you. Uh, however, Gerald, it is late at night and um, I'm going to be concluding this phone call here. Can and you hear uh, the words that came out of my mouth? I love you. Gerald, that's a little bizarre. I want you to have a good night's sleep, Gerald. Wait, 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 uh, uh, Ricky, 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 hold on. Uh, I had to express my true feelings to my favorite nephew. Uh, just, just, I, I, I just want you to know I have nothing but love in my heart for you. Uh, lots of it. And endless supply. Waterfalls of love. That's what I got for you, Pally. But I look, you, you got me all, you got me all screwed up here talking about Dino Royale. Now, I never did see, I never did see the body. I heard the story. There was no funeral. I I heard immediate cremation. Gerald, no I think we should no stop family. right here. I you know, we I, don't. Gerald, let's leave this conversation on on a good note. I don't want to hear about bodies. I don't want to hear about cocaine. I don't want to hear about prostitutes. Oh, you you want me to help you find this cat? Uh, you 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 think he's my old running buddy? And I'm just telling you that they, we found him and we found him in a, a river six and a half years ago. Now you say you want me to do some detective work for you, and now I'm not supposed to talk about him. You're laying out some confusing uh, marching orders there, 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 son. Gerald, here's my marching order. I need you to get a good night's sleep, and I need you tomorrow morning to pick up the phone and call Greg. Uh, so, Gerald, have a very good night. Oh, okay. And uh, I'm glad uh, glad things are working out for you. Well, I but guess that's how we're going to end now, Gerald. Uh, I love you! It's the mad, mad world of wrestling Mad Libs, and we are back here again, ready to go mad. Ricky, I am going to uh, – now, last time we did this, uh, you and me could not get a hold of ourselves. Uh, we, we got a little bit giddy. The, the, remember the rules here. We need to be as immature as possible. <laughs> We need to not be afraid to go for it with uh, as ridiculous <laughs> whatever we're capable of. From well ridiculous. done, well said, sir. Well said. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna give some puzzle uh, options here for you, and you tell me which one which one we should start with. Uh, I'm gonna name three, and you tell me which of the three you want to do. Sounds good. Let's hear them. 
can I have your daughter's hand? <laughs> well, I think that would but okay. Do the other two. <laughs> You're like, it doesn't matter what they are. Uh, the Walmart difference and or war. Um, let's do, can I have your daughter's hand? You got it, buddy. All right. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, now, the way we did this before, uh, we we are doing wrestling Mad Libs here, Two Rose fans. So uh, uh, for those of you who did not catch our last segment, we're doing Mad Libs like any other Mad Libs, but we are using professional wrestling references as much as possible. Uh, our last segment was a great success, at least for Ricky and I. Uh, my wife said she laughed incredibly hard but mostly because we were laughing incredibly hard. <laughs> she did not seem to think it was as hilarious as we did. Yeah, the good our... news is, Greg, is if no one else found it funny, at least we did. We had fun. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and you got to have fun when you're doing your work, and uh, this podcast is hardly work. It's mostly fun. Uh, all right, so can I have your daughter's hand? Ricky and I are going to go one for one here uh, and choose these words. So, Ricky, I need hey, not way, just – Ladies and yeah. gentlemen, by the way, this is the only wrestling podcast where you're going to hear wrestling Mad Libs. I just wanted to throw that out there. That's right. To our this, millions of listeners. This was a Ricky Soretta idea, and no one else out there has thought of it. So Ricky is an innovator in our field here in the wrestling podcast game. Uh, Ricky, I need from you a name, but not just a name. It, it precisely asks for a silly name. A silly name. A wrestling-related silly name. Ah, uh, Isaac Yankum. All right, <laughs> Isaac Yankum. Otherwise, <laughs> uh, for, for you newer fans, uh, that that was uh, the Big Red Machine Kane's uh, former uh, identity as the Mad Dentist. Curse you, Vince McMahon. All right, my mine is a silly word. All right, uh, I'm gonna go with the goozle. A goozle. The goozle. That's what that's what they sometimes call the Undertaker's choke slam. The goozle. All right, Ricky, I need a verb, an action word from you. An action word. Hmm. Would would sweating can't be counted as an action? I think so. Uh, he was sweating all the way there. Uh, yeah, yeah, sweating. Sweat or sweating? I'll I'll put sweating and read it as sweat if it makes sense to sweat. Okay. All right, uh, Ricky. I need a female name. Female name. Let's go with Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Miss Elizabeth. All right. Uh, body part plural is mine. Uh, so I'm going to say heaving breasts. Because what wrestling diva does not have? Or you, we could do Greg Valentine's heaping breasts. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna let you have that one, Greg Valentine's <laughs> <laughs> heaving breasts. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, a noun. I'm going to say, um, let's see here. I'm going to say, <laughs> I, I told you, I'm just going to go for it. George the Animal Steals Tallywhacker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, kudos for you for going for it. Uh, we got to go for it. Uh, okay, Ricky, verb ending in ed. Action ending. Um. Shit, this is. Well, you could think like wrestling moves, like power slammed or body slammed. Yeah, let's do. Um... Let's do body slammed. All right, body slammed. Uh, Ricky, I need another noun. Person, place, or thing. Person, place, or thing. Let me think. Let's go with Andre the Giant's pocket pussy. <laughs> <laughs> What does that even mean? <laughs> you know, like those little rubber things to stick your wiener in to help the jerk off? <laughs> Reminds me of those little rubber coin purses that you used to like hide your few coins in when you were a kid? Yes. Andre That's the exactly what it's, what it's like. <laughs> All right. Andre the Giant's pocket pussy. Oh, okay. Uh, noun, plural. We're going to say, um, I'm going to say Fabulous Moolah's Buttocks. <laughs> We're such children. <laughs> I know. Uh, okay, I need a verb, Ricky. All right. Um, trotting. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, give me another noun. Another noun. Let's do a let's do a place. Let's do a place. Okay, let me think. Let's do a place. I'm thinking of the a courtroom during some wrestler's divorce. <laughs> so, uh, maybe Ric Flair's divorce court. No, Ric Flair's too reputable. We got to think of some real scumbag. Uh, how about how about how about uh, Doug Gilbert's uh, child support hearing or child support uh, courtroom? Well, that doesn't really make sense. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> You, I'm sorry, I interfered. You, you're do, right on the edge of it. We do Mongo McMichael in divorce court. <laughs> okay, Mongo <laughs> divorce court. <laughs> you're still working that Mongo McMichael oh, out of your yeah. obsessive zone, aren't you? Uh, occupation. Okay, I'm going to say... All right. What female diva do you think had the biggest, fullest bush, Ricky? Hmm. Think, think probably like 80s, 90s here. Fabulous Mula, but she's already... Um, already taken. 
can be a manager, could be a female personality, a female wrestler. Linda McMahon. Okay. Linda McMahon's bush trimmer <laughs> is this occupation. All right. Uh, it's just asking for a random number. Ricky, do you have a favorite number? Yes, 26. All right, 26. Uh, I need a uh, – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put in a verb here, and I'm going to say – uh, I'm going to say hop. All right. And we got two more here. Uh, I need a silly word from you. So a, a wrestling related silly word or just a silly word in general. We've we have enough wrestling in here. Um, exquisitely. Okay, exquisite. And the last one is silly name. So we're going to go with Tiger Jackson. Mm -hmm. Who I hope you know who he is, Ricky, and who he played in the wrestling world. If you mm -hmm. don't, I'll remind you. Tiger Jackson was the infamous sidekick of the uh, good Doink the Clown known as Dink. R.I.P. All right. So are you ready to go mad, sir? I am ready to go mad. I'm ready for the lobotomy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm clicking. <laughs> okay. It's going to be good. Can I Have Your Daughter's Hand? <laughs> By Ricky and Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Mr. and Mrs. Isaac Yankum Goozle, <laughs> will you let me sweat your George the Animal Steals Tallywhacker? <laughs> Ever since I have laid Greg Valentine's heaving breasts on Miss Elizabeth, <laughs> I have body slammed madly in love with her. <laughs> I. <laughs> I wish that she will be I wish that she will be the Andre the Giant's pocket pussy of my <laughs> fabulous Moolah's buttocks. <laughs> uh, and that someday we will trot have happily ever after. Uh, I have I have a Mongo's divorce court and a Linda McMahon's bush trimmer. <laughs> <laughs> that pays twenty six dollars each month. I I promise I promise to hop Miss Elizabeth with kindness and respect. Sincerely, the exquisite Tiger Jackson. <laughs> oh, that was that was terrific. Ooh. Oh, that was good. That and note the more and more we go for it, the the better it is. Oh, the better it is for sure. Yes. Uh, so. Uh, Oh, you can't lose. You can't lose, and you can't get uh, get sad about the mad, mad world of wrestling mad libs. So, Ricky, I think this was another successful edition. Uh, what do you think? Unbelievable. This, I think it might have my favorite segment. I think it might have rivaled our first one. I'm not quite sure. It's definitely on the same level. Uh, so it's we very, will, very uh, good. The first one, I think, will always, always live in infamy because a it was the first one and i couldn't breathe i couldn't, oh, I couldn't breathe that first one 
Yeah, I, th I think this the first one might have been your A-plus zone, but this was definitely an A. Uh, Absolutely. Anytime, anytime um, a letter is signed by the exquisite Tiger Jackson and is addressed to Mr. and Mrs. Isaac Yankum Goozle, you know you've arrived in a good place. So. <laughs> Uh, all right. With that, fans, I hope you've enjoyed uh, this week's edition of the segment known as the Mad Mad World of Wrestling Mad Libs. And uh, we will be back with you right after this. Hi, I'm Greg Sterner of Two Rows from Ringside, and I wrote a book. Hi, I'm Ricky Serena of Two Rows from Ringside, and Greg wrote a book. It's called Solving Cadence More, and it's a mystery novel about a hot young singer who disappears without a trace. Ten years ago, on a remote highway. Buy the book! Relax. Amazon, $5 on the Kindle. I was very impressed by the character depth and the... Cut, fellas, fellas, girls will sleep with you if you if they see you reading this book. They'll sleep with you. Now, how can you verify that as anything more than... Ladies, the book will change your life and your girlfriends will no longer talk behind your back because of their newfound respect for you. Well, if you don't want to discuss plot, then I guess I should let everyone know you will die if you don't buy it. Solving Cadence More. I wrote it. You buy it. You like it. My ego grows. It's a win-win-win. Buy Solving Cadence More from Aperture Press, available at Amazon and all other book retailers. Or you will die! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Two Rows from Ringside. And Richard and I are absolutely, positively out of our minds with excitement to talk to Joey Licious himself, Mr. Joey Casada, a man who has created uh, a, an incredible, interesting universe in which he, as a very troubled man, interacts with some of the great legends of the mat game, past and present, uh, usually getting assaulted by them as they teach him life lessons. I've never heard of a concept like this before uh, wrestling with Joey Licious, so we are we are thrilled to have Mr. Joey Casada on. Uh, Joey, welcome to the show. Uh, the Two Rows audience is, is going to really be excited to learn about your story. What's up, guys? Thanks so much for having me. That was a great introduction. Yes, it's a, it's a crazy universe I did create. Who would write something where they basically get beat up at the end of every scene, right? <laughs> <laughs> and this is so crazy because uh when 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 we first uh when we first became aware of of your uh, of your story and and it, not only your book but very highly entertaining uh film shorts that are available now on amazon prime for any amazon prime members you can access the wrestling with joey licious series where uh what you read on the page in uh wrestling with joey licious the book you can actually see come to life in some really dynamic, fabulous clips. Uh, and there it is. You see it right on the screen, uh, Wrestling with Joey Licious. You can get it on the Kindle for cheap, folks. Okay, so shell out a few and help support Mr. Casada's literary efforts and what he's trying to do here in the business, something very interesting. Uh, so I, I guess I first want to ask you, Joey, uh, the, 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 the actual film shorts – uh, you feature such greats as Superfly Jimmy Snuka, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, uh, El Matador Tito Santana. Uh, you've got um, the Iron Sheik in there. These were filmed about six, five, six years ago, right? This, this goes back a ways. Right. We started filming the very first episode short that I filmed was with Jimmy Snuka. 
And obviously we had Jimmy and Roddy on before both of them passed away, of course. And that's really where I started this whole revolution and try to really get this show off the ground. And, you know, the shorts were really just meant to be just trailers and little snippets for, to help me sell this show to network. And, you know, I started with Jimmy Snook. It actually started way before that. So I was on a, a show called Z-Rock a couple a uh, couple years before that. And on that show, it was a scripted comedy, but it was based on our, my real life. I'm a, a musician also. And it was based on my real life as a, a musician, a rock band at night. And we were a kid's band during the day. And in that show, it was really just that concept of us playing little kids' birthday parties and bar mitzvahs and all these crazy little kids' parties. And then we would be a rock band on night, on tour. So that's really what the premise of that show was called. It was called Z-Rock. And it was on IFC for a couple seasons back in about 2010, 2011. And, you know, one of those episodes guest starred Chris Jericho. And on that episode, I played a character called Joey Licious. And Joey Licious is a character, much like Mick Foley did with Dude Love when he was a kid. I created this character of Joey Licious when I was a kid. Um, he was, the, he was the, the, my wrestling persona that I was going to become one day, hopefully when I became a WWF superstar at the time. That's what my dream was going to be. And, you know, it, you know, it always, obviously with dreams, sometimes I went the route of being a musician rather than being a wrestler. I didn't have any really outlets to train as a wrestler and right. perform as a wrestler, as a kid especially. So I went the route of, of a musician. And I was highly successful. I toured the world with some of the greatest bands in the world, played on Broadway, played with Trans-Siberian Orchestra, all these, you know, all these great accomplishments. But... And even with this TV show we filmed based around my band, but I still had this dream of becoming a wrestler. So what I did after Z-Rock went off the air, I took that Joey Licious character that I created as a kid and that I presented on the show Z-Rock with Chris Jericho, and I wrote a full show around that character based around my real life of always wanting to be a wrestler. And, you know, we started filming these shorts just to do a little sizzle reel, almost like a demo reel for for TV, to try to get the show picked up by network. And Jimmy Snooker was the very first episode we filmed. Now, was was Chris Jericho uh, your sort of liaison into the business and making contacts with those guys? Or did they come aboard as the as though they would have for any other prospective pilot that was being shot for a, a series? No, he really wasn't. He was, I mean, he loved the character too. He was, he's still a great friend of mine to today. I actually was texting with him early today, uh, congratulating him on his, his AEW special last night. But no, believe it or not, he didn't have anything to do with me getting these wrestling legends on board. Basically what I did was, because I had some clout in the TV industry already with my old TV show, you know, I had this show to kind of show, okay, this is what the show is going to be like. And I kind of showed clips of me um acting with Chris Jericho in this Joey Licious costume and character. And I told them, this is kind of what the show is going to be about. And, you know, everyone always asks me, how did you get these legends to be on your show? Right. It's really just hard work and legwork. You know, I, I, I just like everyone else, I went online. So we've discovered. How do you get anyone to interview? It's the same way you guys get interviews. It's you go online, you you know, you look up contact numbers of whether it's managing managers or agents or friends or relatives or wives. And in this instance, 
I actually got Jimmy Snooker's info and I got his wife's info. And his wife and I were communicating. I sent him a little clip of Z-Rock and I showed him a little, a little script that I had in mind to do with Jimmy. And they loved the idea. They couldn't believe how funny it was. They just loved the concept. And once I had Jimmy Snooker on tape, showing you know what this world was going to be about and i'll fill your audience in on kind of the concept of the show in a minute but once i got him on board everyone else fell into line so easily like i was waking up in the morning getting messages from guys like ted dibiase and king kong bundy and i would get it i got a text message one man, one morning from rick flair just wow. you know w- word of mouth going around the industry saying hey this guy's joey's got a really cool concept He's featuring, you know, the legends of wrestling from the 80s and 90s. You guys should be a part of this. And it all started with Jimmy Snuka. That's really cool. And, you know, I, I appreciate uh, an original idea, you know, that you have because Greg and I, you know, we started the podcast. We didn't want it to be just a regular wrestling podcast that, you know, there's hundreds, if not thousands that you can find online. Um, ironically, uh, Greg used to be my boss many moons ago. <laughs> and we worked with a gentleman um, who basically now is a, a character on our show. And it's just funny how it all kind of fell into place and we decided to do a, uh, a, a podcast. Um, I, I do have to ask you before we go any further, how is the Iron Sheik in person? <laughs> <laughs> so You knew the, that question was gone. Oh, I, everyone always goes that way. And, it, <laughs> and I have a, a great, great story of how I got the Sheik on board with my show. So, the, the concept of the show, for anyone who doesn't know, and like you mentioned, the book is on sale on Amazon. You can see the shorts on Amazon Prime or even on my YouTube page if you just type in Joeylicious. And you'll you'll get the concept pretty quick by seeing the shorts, and that'll get you interested in the mm-hmm. book. But in short, the concept of the show is I'm a, I'm a wrestler. I've, I've, wanted to try, I've been trying to be a wrestler my whole entire life. I'm wrestling on the lowest possible rung of the wrestling ladder. Sure. You know, wrestling in grammar schools, you know, in front of nuns and second graders and stuff like that and you know throughout the show these wrestling legends appear to me in my imagination to kind of give me this advice to help me on my journey of course it never works out they always give me the wrong advice and i wind up self-sabotaging myself almost very similar to like larry david and curb your enthusiasm right (laughs) if poor larry david would only just you know, hold his tongue for five minutes and not say everything he's thinking, he would be a total success all the time and no one would ever crap on him. But poor Joey Licious, the same way, I think he would be a success (laughs) if he would just not listen to these stupid legends that are in his brain. Well, it's so funny because as soon as you start interacting with the legends, it's hilarious. Like, you're you're so happy to see them for, like, a second you're like oh my god how can it be it's you and then you're immediately giving them shit <laughs> well, again, that's joey that's his problem it's same thing like larry david like i said he just he doesn't know really when to hold his tongue you know he he'll immediately get in get in with the iron sheik you know in, into an argument and a funny story with the sheik so like i said i filmed with snooker i filmed with piper we filmed with mick foley and then i had a shoot with the iron sheik coming up he his manager um Cage Majin uh, was very interested in the show. He loved the concept, but he warned me. He said, listen, the Sheik is, you know, a little hostile. He, some, one day he's an angel and he's the most fun to work with. One day he's miserable and he, he doesn't want to hear from anyone. So, you know, let's set up the shoot. We're doing a comedy show at Caroline's in New York City in Manhattan. 
Let's set it up and let's see how it goes that day. So obviously he doesn't understand how filming works. I have to hire my whole crew and we have to light the whole building and blah, 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 sound and audio and, you know, all this stuff that we that goes into even just filming a six minute shoot. So I said, okay. I said, but I got to, you know, I have to have all of this ready to go. He's like, well, I can't guarantee the sheik is going to do it. He, he likes it right now, but the day that day he might just be cranky. Oh, so, you know, so with me, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to take no for an answer. And I'm, I, I can be pretty persuasive, I think, when, when I want to be. So the day of the shoot, he was like, listen, Joe, you know, the, the sheik is is I don't even want to bring it up to him. He's not he hasn't had a good day. I think I don't think we're going to be able to do it now. The shoot and obviously you've seen the shorts was filmed in a bathroom in in Caroline's Comedy Club. So my whole crew was set up in this stinky men's bathroom for about three hours waiting for the sheep. So he's like, listen, we're in the building. If you want to come over and say hello, but I don't think he's going to do it. So at this time, the sheep was confined in a wheelchair. He's you know, he could get up and walk around, but he was pretty, you know, confined to the wheelchair. So he was being moved around in the wheelchair. So. I went into the main room where the sheik was and I introduced myself, told them, hey, you know, never mentioned, can you do this? Will you do this? I basically just said, hey, we got the shoot all set up in the bathroom. You ready to go? Before he could say anything, I scooped him up in his wheelchair and started running him to the bathroom without anyone saying anything. (laughs) Yeah, I basically kidnapped the sheik and. But the funniest thing, so he didn't protest. He was talking to me along the way. Oh, yes, I love the Joe Initiative. I, I heard sort of short. <laughs> in, the, in, in the back, as I'm, I'm literally running the sheet because I don't want his manager to kind of stop me or any of the other handlers there. I'm literally running with the sheet up a ramp with his wheelchair and following close behind. I thought was someone protesting like I was grabbing the sheet. What are you doing? Is Nikolai Volkov running after me saying i want to be in too can can you can i be in the oh, shoot wow. too That's and awesome. sure enough and and if you've seen the sh- the short we put nikolai in right at the very end we wrote that little scene with nikolai at the last minute on set wow two for That's the price awesome. of one i think right. with all your extra work to get the sheik to perform you deserve the bonus of nikolai i think you had you had a bonus <laughs> coming there joey i am really uh, i'm really interested i, I almost have uh, so much to, to, to ask you. It's overwhelming. Uh, first off, Ricky had mentioned that this character that we created based on our own life, I, I have to believe that, that we're speaking your language when talking about that. Cause some of these characters, there's some really colorful, uh, characters in this book. You've got everybody from your running buddy, uh, your manager, <laughs> the troublemaker, Scally, uh, who's just, I love him. I love the character. Uh, he, he causes nothing but trouble, but what a great character. Uh, You've got uh, you've got your wrestling crew, uh, the, the the evil Shamrock, who's like this this dick to everyone, and uh, and and just thinks he's better than everybody in this sort of six wrestler circuit that you're a part of. Uh, uh, you got Tiny, who I think the most heroic moment in the book for Joey Licious is his interaction with Tiny, which you know you could talk about if you like. Uh, you've got the milkshake, uh, Una Granada, the Puerto Rican wrestler, just really colorful <laughs> colorful guys, just on just on the the, the people that you've that you're interacting with in the wrestling parts. Then you've got your, your mom's a very strong character. Uh, Father Randazzo is a very, uh, uh, you know, colorful character that takes an interest in Joey Licious. How much is the real life of Joey Casada and this, and this book, how, how much is one for one? Uh, what you see in the book is what you get in real life and how much of it is dialed up. If not all of it dialed up to about a 10. 
it's all based on real life occurrences. So the character, I'm so glad you mentioned all of these characters and not the legends. Usually, you know, every interview I do, it's all about the legends and, you know, everything we've done with the legends. But what people don't realize is it's really uh, a character based show. It's an ensemble show. And it's not only about the legends. And we do have so many legends on board with the show from Hulk Hogan to Ric Flair to the Iron Sheik, Mick Foley, um, all of these guys, Jake the Snake Roberts, all of these guys are on board with the show. But it's really not about them. They make these appearances and it gives you that color and it makes you feel that nostalgia feel of the 80s. But the characters that are in the, the show that you mentioned, starting with you know my manager and best friend, Scally, 100% true person. He's my best friend still to my still to this day in real life. His name is really Robert Scally. We didn't change the names to protect the uh, the guilty. So um, he he's still my best friend. You know, of course, do I exaggerate his um his some of his antics? A lot of it are, is true, and a lot of it is exaggerated. But it's all based on him. Same thing with my mom. Unfortunately, my mom's not with us anymore. But that character is based so strictly on my mom. The interactions between her and Scally, all of that stuff is absolutely based on my real life. Then the wrestling league that we're a part of, which is Brawl, Brooklyn's awesome, really awesome wrestling league, is totally fictional. That's where the fiction comes in. A lot of those characters are based on real guys that I know growing up, but I never wrestled in real life. I never got the opportunity to be a real wrestler. But this is a league, you know, I've I studied a lot of indie wrestling. I'm, I've been an indie wrestling fan from, for years, and I love, obviously, all kinds of wrestling from WCW to you know, WWE now and NWA power and all that stuff on, on right now. So I've studied characters in wrestling my whole life. So I came up with this, this crew of characters really based around some of my friends with a little sprinkle of wrestlers that I've seen throughout my life. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and it's funny because it, the, the indie show parts of the book, I thought, they rang true, you know, be, having having been to many sketchy indie events throughout my my years as a wrestling fan. Uh, you, you, you really do see I, I, I could picture every one of those guys, every single one. And the, and the dialogue rang true. Uh, and now uh, in the book, uh, Joey seems to be uh, he just seems to be made, like you said earlier, like his own worst enemy. <laughs> and he's kind of in a stage of arrested development where he, he still thinks that big breaks coming uh, so much so that he's imagining the wrestlers as almost like a spirit guides guiding him through. Uh, but then, but then he's like a, a classic self saboteur. And if that wasn't bad enough, Scally, his running buddy is, <laughs> is a direct saboteur. <laughs> so yeah, he, he certainly has obstacles uh, set up, but it, it created such an interesting, uh, you know, you, you do, you're rooting for Joey by the end, uh, you know, and I have to tell you uh, when, when you, uh, when your character interacts with uh, what we assume to be the real life Hulk Hogan uh, and, and starts tear, uh, <laughs> tugging at his mask as though he's a Scooby-Doo villain, uh, and he's an imposter. I, I popped like out loud. I'm not usually an out loud laugher, but that was great. That was really great. 
Um, so I, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, about you. Uh, you have such an interesting life, Joey. You mentioned uh, your your musical background. Uh, you played with I know Alice Cooper was one of the acts you had, uh, I had read you had played with. Uh, you mentioned Trans Siberian Orchestra. Uh, was your role always as the percussionist with these groups? And and what's just talk to us about your 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 musical history and 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 what that path has looked like for you. Right. So again, my musical path started almost at the same time as my wrestling path. I just happened to follow and succeed in the music path where I didn't do that with the wrestling path. So when I was a kid, I was five years old. I saw Madison. I saw Kiss at Madison Square Garden. And, you know, I saw Peter Chris rise on his drum set. And I knew that that's what I had to do for the rest of my life. Much like a couple years later, I saw Hulk Hogan win the title against the infamous or, you know, the villainous Iron Sheik at Madison Square Garden, the same place I saw Kiss a couple years earlier. And I and I knew I wanted to be a wrestler. So I had these dreams of becoming a drummer and a wrestler at my whole entire childhood growing up in the 80s. And it just so happened, like I mentioned before, that I succeeded doing the music part because I had drums and I could rehearse with bands and I could do shows. I couldn't do that as far as I knew as a kid with wrestling. And that's kind of why I went that path. So, right. So you mentioned, you know, obviously I've been a drummer my whole life. I toured with a lot of major acts. I've been the backup drummer for Trans-Siberian Orchestra for over 15 years now. Um, wow. I toured the country with Kiss with my band ZO2. That same band ZO2 had our TV show called Z-Rock. Uh, that, was on, uh, that was on IFC, right? That was actually a pretty successful show for a couple of years. Yeah, it was the number one show on IFC for a couple of seasons. We had, you know, all the guest stars from all the biggest comedians like Gilbert Gottfried and Joan Rivers was one of the stars of our show. And we had rock stars galore. We had Dee Snyder and Dave Navarro and Daryl Hall. And, you know, it was just it was really a feel good, fun show about my band as a kid's band and a rock band. So I did everything that I wanted to do as a musician. And I'm still a musician. I play on Broadway. I'm currently playing with Eric Martin from Mr. Big right now. We do shows, of course, with COVID. All of that is has been halted. So that's really where Joey Licious, the book, started. The, it was This was never supposed to be a book. This was always supposed to be a television series. You know, it started off as the shorts, which is streaming on Amazon Prime now, which we have production deals in place. Of course, because of COVID, everything is halted right now. We can't do anything so my partner and I, what we decided, we said, hey, we're not going to sit on our asses. What, what, what can we do? So let's take season one scripts. And that's what we basically did. We, we had all of season one mapped out. We took the season one scripts and created this book. And we, we made the novelization of what you're going to eventually see as the full length TV show. So the book that you read that, you're, that, you're, that we're talking about that's on sale on Amazon right now is basically part one of season one. It's episodes one through five. Okay. And then episodes five through 10 will be if, you know, depending on if COVID clears up or not, if COVID doesn't clear up, we'll release book two before the whole season comes out because the book is done already. The scripts were written. The book is, we just have to transfer it into novel form, which is pretty easy. But I'm glad to hear, you know, you're saying that you can feel the wrestlers and, you know, feel the indie scene and stuff, but we didn't know if it was going to be able to translate into a book because, right. you know, when, when you're writing scripts, you're writing it and you're knowing, okay, we're going to see this scene. We're going to see 
Joey try to lift Tiny in the air, or we're gonna see Joey. Um, I don't. I forget what what exactly is in book one. Pull the grenade from Una Granada's neck. We're gonna see that stuff, so we don't have to detail it out as you would in a book. So the book was a little challenging because we didn't know if it was gonna translate to the audience as well as the visualization of it, the TV show, which will eventually be. But we're getting great response. The book was number one on Amazon the first few week, weeks it came out. It, it was it beat JR's book and the Young Bucks book and the wow. new Nitro book. So, you know, so we did really well. Uh, it's getting super well received. Like I said, luckily, I have all these legends in my corner. Chris Jericho was just giving away copies on his Saturday night special the other night for me. And. I'm sure you've read the end. Chris is in the epilogue of the book, which is going to lead into the next book, which is really what the show is going to be about. And it's feel good, rocky story. Maybe Joey does get a shot for real at the big time. We'll have to wait and see. We'll see. Now, that's what I that's what I was wondering about. Uh, you, you, you mentioned the epilogue with Chris Jericho and, and Jericho is such a has such a unique brand of humor. Uh, very, very much. It's sort of he can get a little bit off the rails goofy and he can get a little bit out there and, and, and he's playing this character, uh, Christoph, uh, I believe, uh, <laughs> yes. at, at the end. And he sort of has an English affectation, affectation. Um, and I have a feeling he's, he's about to choose his own personal Italian stallion in this, uh, in this, uh, <laughs> what's coming next. But, uh, you know, you captured Jericho's voice very, very well in that. So I, I was, one of my questions was before you answered it, do you know him personally or, or did he have any input in that? Cause I thought Jericho's voice came through really clear uh, in that well, epilogue character. Th- well, thank you on that, of course. But yes, I am. I'm very, very good friends with Chris. Like I said before, we met on the, sh- the set of my old show, Z-Rock. And that episode is, is online right now, too. You could look at it on my YouTube page. It's called, I think it's episode, oh my God, six of season two. I think it was called Z-Wrestler. So if you just type in Z-Rock Chris Jericho on YouTube, it'll come up. And it's just, you know, he plays a crazy, wacky version of himself. Him and I wind up getting into a, I'm a fanboy. You know, I, I kind of like cry when I see, hey, my God, Chris Jericho is my favorite. But then, of course, by the end, my Italian hot-headedness, just like the Joey Licious character does in the book and in the, the Wrestling with Joey Licious series, he self-sabotages by the end. And, of course, he's, you know, telling Chris Jericho he'll lock kick his ass and, you know, try to, <laughs> try to speak French to him and, you know, eventually Chris winds up falling off the, the ring and breaks his ankle. And, you know, Joey Lish just stands there like, oh, my God, I, I, I killed my hero. What did I do? So Chris Chris loves the humor. He has the same type of humor as I do. Um, so the voice you're hearing in the book, the, the short part that he is in book one, is really him. It, it's based on the guy that I know of Chris Jericho, the guy that I know. So it, it, it was very easy to write. He didn't have any input on that, really. It's based on a lot of our conversations that we've had, that English accent that I gave him. Him and I and a couple of other guys have this group text going. And we always we're fascinated with David Coverdale from Whitesnake. And he, he always has this, you know, big in- English drawl talking darlings. I went to I went down to I was in a the Mediterranean Sea on a yacht with Pippi Longstocking and Isaac from the love boat. It was marvelous, darling. So, and, you know, I kind of crossed 
the real Chris Jericho with this wacky David Coverdale character that we always spoof on and made this Kristoff character. So that's really what, what book two is going to really be about. Thank you for joining us for part one of our interview with Joey Casada, a.k.a. Joeylicious. Join us next week for part two as we will bring you the exciting conclusion of our fascinating talk with Joey Licious himself. Keep your eyes peeled, because this guy's about to make a big splash in the wrestling world. In the meantime, check out the Wrestling with Joey Licious shorts on Amazon, featuring wrestling legends such as Mick Foley, Rowdy Roddy Piper, The Iron Sheik, Tito Santana, and Superfly Snuka. Fans, if you like what you see there, make sure you head on over to Amazon and pick up a copy, Kindle or otherwise, of Wrestling with Joey Licious. We'll see you next week for part two. And remember, fans, if you're not down with the safe side, and you're too wild for the wild side, your rightful place is right here with us, Two Rows from Ringside. Two Rows from Ringside has been brought to you by Whitehorse Media Group, and this has been Wrestling Wednesdays. Wrestling Wednesdays.